0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote.
1: Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers in the World Series champion, Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 706-0111 on this glorious Wednesday morning. It is, look, last week, there was one or two days. I I was kind of down in the dumps. I had convinced myself that Lamar Jackson was going to the Falcons, and it was not looking good there for Casper getting another gig, and here we are on Wednesday, Casper's the new head coach of the Denver Broncos, which is good for me in a lot of ways, I mean, uh, you know. My wife will be a little happier because they'll win more games and have, and and actually score some points, I'm, I'm hoping. And, you know, the Saints didn't have a second-round pick next year. Now they do. They didn't have a first-round pick this year. Now they do. So all of that is good. And then I read a story yesterday where some – I don't remember who it was. The guy, uh, you know, was talking about how 200% – which doesn't exist, I know that, but two hundred percent chance that Lamar Jackson is staying with the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know who the guy was, but I say P- Pulitzer. I mean, he's got my vote for the Pulitzer. So I was happy. Like this, you know, I was like, yes, you know, I, I was, I was last week. I would, I would have settled for one and one, and now I, I'm feeling pretty confident. I, I can go two and oh.
2: 2 and zero oh on that deal. Yeah, it looks like looks like you won out. Looks like you. Got oh, that's that's. You it. Want.
1: Oh yeah, I I'll t- I'll love it. I take. I, I just tremendous, tremendous.
2: Now, I will say the only thing with the Lamar Jackson scenario that could go wrong is if they there's some intricacies with the franchise tag. So if they went with the non-exclusive tag, they could trade him if they wanted to, I guess. But uh, they would have to get. You'd imagine like an offer that was just unbelievable if they were going to part ways with him. Now that it looks like they're going to franchise tag him, which is the report, so we're looking we're looking good in that regard.
1: We, we we're going to try to stay positive today. It's a yeah. glorious day. It's a glorious day. We're going we're going to try. Now I don't like the weather outside. I mean, like nine days from now, we're supposed to be playing softball. That's an outdoor sport. Like it's cold out there right now. That
2: needs to stop. It is supposed to get warmer next week. I did see that. It's supposed to get up back into the 60s and maybe low 70s. But the rain, the rain was supposed to be gone. By today, originally, when I was looking at the forecast at the beginning of the week, and now it just looks like it's going to rain all week. So that's unfortunate. As long as it doesn't rain next
1: weekend, we don't we don't want to start out out with that. And so I love and and Dawson and I continue to kind of get to know one another. I don't know how you are. I just absolutely love the NFL draft. So I'm I just really love the NFL draft.
2: I like it. The problem is the Saints seem to never have any picks because they just trade them away, and then. Wow. But no, I love and, and you want to talk about some of the things that the NFL has been able to do. Creating, it's become a traveling circus now. It's like you used to just oh they you know the draft would happen and you'd read about it the next day. I think we you know we've talked about this a little bit now. It's like, but that wasn't, wasn't in your lifetime. No, I mean... no, no, but.
1: I remember those days, but that wasn't in your. But even
2: life. in my lifetime, it's it's progressed to where it's now like different oh, cities yeah, are bidding on yeah. it. Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't care about all all that silliness. I don't care about it. I'm talking about the um, trying to figure out what teams are going to do and the jockeying and the positioning and all of that. And so, the thing that it, it it's it's kind. I think it kind of fits. Like I know there's some people. Oh, they're all upset because the. You know, they, 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 they're more worried about where the Saints are get or picking as opposed you know, not having twenty nine, which by the way, a lot of people are saying they have thirty, which is what they really have, is thirty. But I had forgotten. I was trying to figure out, like, why are some saying 30 and some saying 29? It's because the Dolphins had to forfeit their little pick. And so some people are counting the Dolphins at 21 as having a pick. That's why. It's really the 30 pick is what the Saints have. But it's it's effectively the 29 because the Dolphins aren't going to pick where they were supposed to pick. And that, because that, That's it's, the difference there.
2: It's the pick that went to... It was San Francisco, right, originally, yeah. and then it was in Miami, and then it was, so that was the Bradley Chubb Chub Chub to Denver. Co- and so, correct,
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, But the thing, again, just real early, we've got months to, to dissect all of this, but just a real quick cursory look at things. There are a ton, it seems like, of edge rushers that are going to be picked in the first round and a half to two rounds, a ton. So, I think that's good for two reasons. One, if the Saints w- want to pick an edge rusher, which you know, Davenport is, you know, by all count, gone, and we'll get to Davenport. I don't know about today, but I-, I saw something yesterday with him that just absolutely amazes me. But we'll 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 push that to. Later in the show, or tomorrow. Today's show is probably too busy, but or some point in the in the near future. But you could see why they might want an edge rusher. But if they don't want an edge rusher for whatever reason, you never really know what they're thinking. Then it's good that there's so many because so many teams will be drafting edge rushers. So many teams they're a lot, they're gonna be. A lot. It seems like there's gonna be a lot of wide receivers pick. I I don't see the Saints picking a wide receiver. Now they need a possession receiver, but I don't think you're going to pick that in the first or even the second round at 29 or 41. So I like, uh, you know, I like the fact that there are a ton of edge rushers. So if they want one, there should be one available for them. And if they don't want one, then what the Saints need will likely have a better chance of sliding down to 29 and 41 because so many teams are going to be picking edge rushers.
2: Yeah, and we just had Andrew Juge on, and he kind of touched on this, and I liked his point, is that having this late first – a lot of people have said it's a late first-round pick, but having a late first-round pick and an early second-round pick, you, one, you don't have the pressure involved of feeling like you need to take a quarterback since they need a quarterback or needing to take, you know – offensive tackle, defensive end, pass rusher. And in turn, you can then get guys who are the best players at their position potentially at some of the fringe positions that aren't as highly valued early in the draft, like running back in the second round or interior defensive line. And all those are needs of the Saints as well. So it might work out to where you actually get a better player because teams you know, in the early first round prioritize those certain positions those guys are then going to get taken, and maybe you get a player who's actually better than some of those guys, but is just falling to your spot because teams don't want to take them early. And, I, you know, I
1: know this is not a first or second round thing, but if a guy like Branch would fall, you know, I, I, a guy who's – I'm not saying they would necessarily be as good as Chauncey Garner-Johnson, but a a a safety-slash-nickel nickel guy – I would not be that upset. Maybe you say oh, I'd rather pick that in the second round than the first round. Okay, but uh, I, you know, I think the safeties by the end of the year got pretty good, but I, I still don't think you can count on them. And I, and and Evan showed some good signs early, but faded late. I I, I, w- I would be perfectly fine picking another kind of do everything kind of safety guy. Um, and nickel guy. So, I, I you know, I, I think that's an option as well. I also think that I, I kind of feel like Andrews Pete is not going to be on this team next year. And if Andrews Pete is not on the team, it would not shock me if they draft a guard or I don't know if this is going to happen, but it also would not shock me if they drafted a tackle and moved Kyle Turley to guard. Like I could see I could see that happening. Either one of those. So never count out, first of all, it's the Saints are drafting. You should never count out a lineman on either side. I mean, you should, first of all, you should expect that they're going to draft a lineman, either an offense or a defensive lineman. I know some of us are OD'd on defensive linemen, and I get it. I get it. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if they did, did either one of those. But uh no, I think it kind of sets up. Like again, the first look, I think it kind of sets up pretty well for for the Saints on, on where they are. For those of you who have been trying for, you know, 20 years or to for the Saints to pick a quarterback, again, I'll remind you the Saints don't draft quarterbacks early. And I hope that that continues. But understand this. If the Saints pick a quarterback, and this is the first year that I'm willing to even really discuss it, the rest of my life, I'm I I I just kind of I just discard all that quarterback talk. But I'll I'll at least have a conversation with you. I will disagree with you, but I will at least have the conversation this year for the first time. Depending on what happens in free agency, but understand what's going to happen if they would draft a quarterback, which I don't believe they're going to do, then. The starting quarterback next year for the Saints is crawfish again. I can't do that again. Like, I cannot do that. That's what you're doing. They're not going to start the rookie. Okay? That's not going to happen.
2: Well, the thing They're that i – They're going to start
1: crawfish at quarterback again.
2: And I, I mentioned this on Ray show a minute ago, but now that Brady retires this morning as of 30 minutes ago – Which is not good. I was not happy to hear that. Now that he's gone, though – I think it becomes much more likely that they go after a veteran guy, one of those Derek Carr, you know, maybe Rodgers, somebody in that situation, because Mickey Loomis has seen in the past when the division's up for grabs, he wants to go take it, and the division is as open as it's going to be for a long time. I also kind of brought up the point, I don't like the idea of taking a quarterback this year, not only because of where you are and the guys that are available and who's going to be there, but... You're not done with the rest of the roster yet, and if you, we'll see if they have to fully rebuild it or not. It looks like they're going to try to maybe piece it together again. But I don't like taking the quarterback before you even start the rest of the rebuild because this team, if they chose to fully rebuild, would get a lot worse before they got better, given that they're still that, a middling that, that, team. That, so they're they're, they're not. That's, so I think I don't think that's going to happen. I think Derek Carr becomes much more likely, and I think some form of a veteran quarterback, Garoppolo, yeah. one of those guys. I think that's where they're going to go. The problem is.
1: I was not happy that I heard that Brady retired this morning because one I was kind of looking forward to beating him a couple more times uh one, but really the most important reason was that that eliminates a spot that frees up another spot so that increases the competition of getting like theoretically he was gonna sign somewhere else and, and so that's more teams that's one more team now that We'll be looking for a veteran quarterback, so that's not good. That decreases the chances of the Saints getting a veteran quarterback by not having him plug in a hole for some some team that's looking for a quarterback. So I, 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 that was not good news. I did not like hearing that he was retiring because uh, I, I wanted him to go to the Jets or somewhere. I don't. I mean, I I, I don't. I never really thought he would go to the Cheaters because I think Shanahan he he don't want that kind of quarterback. I don't believe that. But whatever, he was going to go. That that would be a spot that would be filled. And so now there's more competition for Derek Carr or Jimmy G or whatever veteran quarterback uh the Saints might be able to to get. So I don't think that was I don't think that's good news at all, but we'll just I'm not going to let that put a damper on um you know, the great news that we can put casper the quitter saga kind of behind us and move forward and at least there's a direction now there's an opportunity you kind of know what you have you didn't have a first round pick now you have one you didn't have a second round pick next year now you have one so you can hopefully make good decisions in those you know first round picks have not been all that good lately (laughs) been a couple good ones but not after that they've done fine for the most part but man They gotta hit on this first round pick. They gotta they gotta stop messing that up. We'll take a timeout and be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Our normal week Wednesday nine fifteen guest Mr. Cokie Riley how are you sir doing great how's it going now what are we gonna do about this weather we're starting to write about baseball and softball and it's still freezing outside those two things don't go together for me
3: um so in high so I'm from Massachusetts so in high school uh, a lot of times tryouts for the baseball team it would be like snowing that day Um, (laughs) so. I, I guess I'm the wrong person to ask about this because I'm just used to it at this point. So.
1: I, I, I understand. <laughs> but you know what? That brings up something, a subject that I, I, I should have probably asked you about. Or maybe this is the perfect time to ask it. It's, you know, down here, college baseball and softball are are huge. Um, yeah. in the Lafayette, Baton Rouge area, and even into New Orleans. Up north, college baseball and softball are afterthoughts. They're probably never, hardly ever discussed on sports talk radio shows. You know, anywhere. Never. In, in, in never. So did that take, did that kind of, did you kind of know that when you came down here? And do you kind of like, like it? Or do you prefer the way it is kind of in the northeast?
3: I, I mean, I like it when we talk about all different sorts of sports. And we, you know, we, Put everyone on, uh, I, I guess, a general platform, you know, because it's, because they don't even because in the north the thing is they don't it's like they don't even talk about college football in the north, you know, or college basketball in the north. It's college in the Northeast where I'm from in, in Massachusetts. It's just not the college sports just doesn't isn't just isn't really a thing. Like I remember when I was growing up, Boston College was when they were really good at football when around, around what like the mid 2000s. And I think they're like number two in the country at one point, and no one really cared because it's just not part of the culture. It's they're, you know, they don't have a flying Elvis logo on on their helmets. They're not the Patriots. Like, it's just, it's strange. Um, Now I look at it that, like, a lot of, like, I guess I'd say most of the country does, like, is at least really passionate about college football, but, you know, that's just not how. That's just not how I grew up. That's just not how the circumstances work. It's just not really part of the culture the same way it is here. And um, honestly, like I, I, I love it because I, and I I just think college football is such a unique uh, artifact, especially with how it's changing in um, today's climate with NIL and all that stuff. And, um, and the same definitely goes for college baseball and college softball. I, I think it's great that you know we, we can talk about it on you know like a weekly segment like this. Um, every single week. So I think it's awesome.
1: I've had a working theory for a while that there's some, at some level a connection between the fact that baseball and softball are so much bigger down here in the South than it is in the Midwest and certainly in the Northeast. And that's why it's more difficult for basketball to be consistently good down here compared to baseball and softball, where in the Midwest and other areas, basketball is bigger to them, and so it's going to be more successful at the collegiate level, men and women. Than, than, now, obviously, LSU women are an exception. There's a few exceptions. But for the most part, um, college basketball is just not on the same level in the in the Deep South for most programs as college baseball is.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of that probably just has to do, you know, starts with the sports and the talent that's available here, and just sort of the history and tradition, right? I mean, it all like stuff like what you talk about on sports radio, it all sort of emanates from that, right? Um, I mean, the athletes just aren't as good in Massachusetts as they are in Louisiana. I, I don't really know exactly why, but it, that's just sort of the case, and I, I think that's a, one of the reasons why they talk about more about youth sports. There And they talk more about professional sports up there because, I, I mean, youth sports here, uh, I mean, if you call college sports a youth sport, but I think you know what I'm trying to get at. Right, here. right. Um, yeah, and they talk about uh, professional sports up there because, you know, they can, like, pluck and acquire a lot easier you know, players up there. So, it's, I don't know. It's it's a culture thing. It's a history thing. And, you know, it's all – I think it's all really, really interesting to sort of dive into.
1: All right. So – everything that we hear with the with the lSU baseball program is you know ranked number one in all these polls it's just going to be an unbelievable year no team is perfect so right now just to kind of get ahead of this a little bit if 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 they don't quite achieve what everyone is suggesting is about to happen when and very likely may happen what would be the one or two kind of iffy areas that if you were going to guess that could get them that they need to make sure they address so it doesn't get them down at the end of this season?
3: Um, I, For me, I think the one real weakness with this team, um, and I think you can maybe pick some nits with some of the pitching too, but, like, that's really hard. Um, but I, I, to me, it's the infield defense. I, and second base, they have four guys um vying for that spot we're not quite sure what kind of defense we're going to get at that position my assumption is a little bit better than what they got from K Doty last year but i'm not again we're not 100% sure on that um, at shortstop i mean Jordan Thompson is a reliable player he's a he's a very solid and kind of an underrated hitter but i mean defensively he had plenty of issues there last season uh, i know he played at the beginning of the year injured and he's much healthier now but that's kind of you know that's kind of a sports cliche anyway. So I, I mean, what I, I just want to see it before um, I get too too confident defensively with that position in that third base. Like Tommy White, he came up as a third baseman through the high school ranks, but he, didn't, he only played eight games there last year. So we're gonna see what he looks like defensively at that spot. They don't really have a lot of answers if uh, one of those guys gets hurt um, for defensively for either position. I mean Ben Nippel and. Gavin Guidry can, yes, I I mean probably Gavin Guidry could as well, but um, Gavin Duga is—they're probably the backup third baseman. I don't know how capable they are to play defensively at that position. And kind of the same goes for shortstop. I know Guidry is a um, like a like a bred shortstop, but again, he's just a freshman, and you know, I don't know. Like it's a big leap going from high school infield defense to college infield defense. I've seen it. I've seen some of the growing pains before. Um, covering Arizona State, my freshman year, when they were just playing a bunch of freshmen in the infield, and it was a defensive nightmare. So um, I, I think there are some some potential concerns when it comes to the infield defense for this team um, heading into next season.
1: Do you this feel season. like Do you feel like the weekend rotation, the starters are going to be better, or you think the bullpen is going to be better long term than the starters?
3: Um, I think the starters are going to be better. Um, I, I think the bullpen has a lot of potential arms. Um, it's, I don't, I'm honestly I have no idea, like as to, uh, no good idea, at least as to who's going to be the high leverage guy who are going to be some of the long relievers? Um, they have a lot of options, but I don't, the rules haven't really been cemented yet. I think their bullpen can be roughly as good as it was last year, maybe a little bit deeper. Um, but I think the big difference with this team is the starting rotation. I mean, Paul Skeens is a bona fide ace and um, they've got him heading into, the, heading into this season. And um, he's apparently throwing 99 miles an hour. He, he's uh, really taking advantage of some of the technology that uh, LSU's pitching lab has that um, it seems like he's really thriving off that. I mean, a guy like Thatcher heard, uh, he'll probably be in the starting rotation. He had a one ERA in in like six starts, 33-35 30, innings pitch, again, just off the top of my head, um, at UCLA before getting hurt. He's now 100% healthy. I mean, those two guys could be eight, have ace-level potential at the very least. They didn't have anyone close to that last year. And then, you, you look at the rest of the rotation, you got guys, you have just a lot of options. I mean, a guy like Christian Little, who... Uh, was a contender for the rotation at Vanderbilt. Um, you got Ty Floyd, uh, who's who improved a lot last season, who I have faced as the, someone who could um, uh, slide into that rotation, and definitely the same goes for Grant Taylor. He was absolutely dominant in the K-5 baseball league this past summer. So they have a lot more options heading into this season. They have internal guys who are at least projected to improve, if not already have improved, and they added um, – they added a lot of good pieces, so and that includes freshmen, like a guy like Chase George, like maybe he sneaks into the rotation. So um, they just have a lot more options, and they're clearly talented options, especially when you look at their velocity and, and some of the movement they have in their pitches.
1: I know you, y'all you still got a much better idea than you had a year ago this time, obviously, with Coach Johnson, but do you, do you feel like it's even possible he would put the best defensive Line up on the field consistently, or you, do you think he's just he's gonna put his best hitting lineup and and just hope for the best on defense?
3: Um, yeah, I think it's the latter. Uh, not because he devalues defense, but he he's but like at the end of the day, Coach Johnson, he's an offensive guy. Um, always has been. You Look at his teams, his Arizona teams, look like at LSU team. They were offense first teams. Um, and this team is probably going to be an offense first team, even though the, even though the rotation and the bullpen, um, is much deeper heading into this year than it was last year. Uh, because again, like, you know, a guy like Tommy White's in the market, he's just going to get them, you know, <laughs> for example, uh, if there's a nice young hitting catcher that's available, if there's two of them, if there's three of them, he's going to try to get all three of them, which is exactly what he did this off season. So he is. I think at heart, an offense first guy. Um, I mean, obviously, he values defense. Every coach does. But, um, I, but like, if he had the, if you told me, you know, which one to choose it, when it comes to him, it, it's pretty much offense every single time.
1: And, you know, obviously, there's going to be countless examples where sometimes it will work and sometimes it won't. And that's what makes. Uh, you know, the season and being on this side and looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in the great unknown. So more exciting. Well, we appreciate your time as always, sir. We got, we'll have a, you know, we're just getting into baseball. It is going to, we're going to have a lot more to discuss and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the SEC and the other things in the weeks to follow. We're looking forward as we get closer to the start of the baseball season. Thank you very much for your time and have a nice day.
3: Awesome. Thanks so much, Kevin.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foot and Footnotes.
1: Footnotes. <laughs> Welcome back to For Kevin Foot on the Game. You know, I can remember, I guess it's, I don't know if you call it an advantage, but a characteristic of being old. I can remember when National Signing Day was much like you were talking earlier, Dawson, about the NFL draft, where it was just kind of an afterthought. And then I can remember where it became humongous, okay? And it's still very important, but... Now it's like this Wednesday, first Wednesday in February signing day is almost like an afterthought now. At least for a lot of programs, including LSU. I mean, you know, it wasn't that, wasn't that long ago where an interview with Cokie Riley, like like we just had about LSU, would have been all about National Signing Day. But all that's so, for so many teams, it's all done in January. I mean, uh, December now, so it's
2: it's kind of weird. It's kind of different. Well, now I. I also remember when there was one, and now I still, with the new dates, they change it every year. I feel like National Signing days is every six weeks. We just do it from now until, like <laughs> in, in the middle of June, they'll be announcing these signings, and I'll be like, well, I thought we were done with this, so I don't know. And then they got to change it, I think, because it's messing with the coaching searches now where you're hiring coaches in week 10 because they got to start recruiting, and it's just, I think if they pushed it all back and had the one signing day, with the transfer portal and everything else. Maybe but I don't think can, they're going back to that. I I hope they at least move it around. I've heard them talking about moving it around so that these coaching hires, because it's like like the same thing with, you know, Napier and those guys coaching the bowl game. Like those are really anomalies because now you gotta if you don't hire and then the other thing is they're hiring and firing coaches in with like four games left because you gotta start recruiting next season. It's like just crazy. Oh,
1: it, it's certainly it's certainly complicated, so for sure. But I say all that to say the Cajuns have added four to the roster. Uh as expected, defensive lineman Antoine Bayless um, from Southwest Baptist University in Texas. Glenn Brown, who's a transfer Portal guy, cornerback from Southern University. He's originally from St. James. Um, I don't know, Emilio Emiliano uh Soldavia? How, how that do you think you pronounce effort.
2: it? I think that's pretty good, yeah.
1: Linebacker from Cypress Ridge in Houston. He's 6'2", 220, pretty good size linebacker. And Dwayne Winfield from Lutcher, quarterback. Now, again, he's 6'2", 200. I just, you know, there's a lot of people that don't think he's going to be a quarterback at the next level. We'll let that play out. Um, I... um. We'll see. I mean, he's he, he's got size. He supposedly has impeccable character. Um, just, uh, you know, just high, his high school coach just raved about everything he brought to their program. And I don't doubt any of that. We'll see how, how it plays out quarterback-wise. It's interesting that they added a quarterback. Uh, I guess every once in a while you need to do that, although the vast majority of them never really have a chance to start. So we'll see what happens there.
2: Yeah, and I, I still am fascinated at what the position is going to look like because I, I really expected one of the guys on the roster to leave by now, whether it be fields, Woldridge or Zeon Chris. But now you're in this weird spot where, you know, we talked about San Francisco. You're almost in like a similar spot. Woldridge is going to be out for the entire off season into camp. I'm sure maybe he gets back for the start of the season, but that seems unlikely too. whereas he would have probably been the starter. So then I guess you have another battle with Fields and Chris and the winner of that plays and Woodridge well, comes back?
1: I, it would not surprise me, depending on what happens in the spring, if one of them left Chandler, theoretically, uh, in the transfer portal. But he hasn't left yet. And, I, you know, I, I to, again, it's just me. And we talked about this last month. Um, I think... That if you're going to leave, you need to give yourself the spring in the new place to get comfortable. Because then you're behind the eight ball when you get into the battle in the sprint in the, in in August. So I, I I'm not I don't quite get the waiting. I mean, it might make the decision a little easier to wait after the spring. But if you decide to leave, then to me it, you're you're complicating your chances of competing for the position in August. Unless you're just unless you're going somewhere where they're just giving you the position.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. It will be interesting. I think it all – everyone felt like Chris looked pretty ready when he played at the end of the season. So I, I feel like there's this assumption that he's going to be there. But, again, yeah, to me – and I guess I I don't know Chandler and maybe he's in for the program and he's going to stay even if he doesn't get the starting He's been job. here for forever. Right. I mean, and, and but it's, And look, he played
1: ve- – look, in t- to Chandler – Chandler didn't look great early but let's be honest the
2: offensive line was not ready for the offense to look good early and he still even at the end he never had a reliable running game to help him out he played
1: really well i thought in the bowl game he, he,
2: like he played better than i expected him
1: to and he played fine i thought he played really i thought he played well at texas state i thought he played really well at times in the bowl game I had not seen that, some of that stuff we see on the bowl game all year. But again, early on, before he got injured, the offensive line was a kind of a mess. And so the offense just wasn't executing at a a very high level at that point. So some of our impressions of what Chandler did last year I think are a little skewed because a lot of his playing time was before the offensive line got stable again.
2: Yeah, and I think no matter what, whoever wins the job, is in a much better position this year. Now, they might not have the receiver talent they had, but they're going to have an offensive line that seemed like it figured it out, started to figure it out. The running game has to be better because it can't be much worse. Uh, I felt like the only running game production you got was from Chris Smith just making something out of nothing. Those younger guys started to show you some things down the stretch, and the offensive line seemed like it looked better. But for so many years, they were just a power running team that had all this stuff set up and I mean when Mitchell and Regis were there, it felt like the quarterback had way less on their plate. But last year, yeah, that's why I, I felt like Fields and then Woldridge, too. He had to create he had to start becoming a power runner by himself because they just had no reliable running game.
1: Well, I, I don't know if he just didn't get, you know, you know, there's all kind of things that go into playing running back and coaches trusting you. You have to know the plays, you gotta know, know where to go. You gotta better handle the passing game, you gotta better protect the pass or all those things. But, I and look, I love Chris Smith. The interview, the kid, he seemed like a great, I mean, I enjoyed covering him. You, I think he was a high character guy, all that. I just never thought he was a number one running back. I just, I I, I would have run, I would have, unless there's something behind the scenes, like knowledge of the playbook or whatever, I would have done, I would have rode Washington last
2: year down the street. Well, district, I felt year. like. It was maybe pretty similar to Camaro with the Saints. Like they, they Chris Smith was great when he was in his role, and he was, you know, we've seen uh, Raymond Kelly had kind of had the same situation where you had M- Regis and Mitchell, and then here's the third option. Here's yeah, the, the home run hitter.
1: Yeah, I always start Chris Smith as a number one running back with square peg round hole to me. I, I I never really I I think it was more of a loyalty thing than a talent thing. I could be wrong. I'm not an expert, but I just I, I again there. There might be reasons behind the scenes that we don't ever hear about why coaches make decisions, other than just the loyalty thing. I would have wrote I have wrote Washington. I really like Washington. You know, he, he, I just like his skill set. And hopefully by next year, whatever reason why he wouldn't play more, will get rectified because I I think he's a better combination of speed and size. And you got to be able to, I don't know, he, he he's more of what a number one running back should be to me. So we'll see how that plays out. So, no, all of that is going to be fascinating what what, what happens, and it's going to make the spring maybe a little more. I'm not a big spring guy, football guy really at all. Um, But it it will make at least the storylines in spring more more, more interesting for, for, for sure. Running back and, you know, and, you know, Kendrell Washington, a lot of people were very high on him and. He got. He's been hurt, and they said his rehab wasn't as gr- going far along last year. Last time we heard about that, as they had hoped. So, yeah, there are some questions at running back now. They're very high on um, Perry, and so we'll see what kind of progress he makes. But I, you know, I, I like I like downhill runners, you know. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. I like down. I like Purdy, but I like Purdy to be in its own little category. We need to find the next Isaiah Pacheco. I need. Oh, Isaiah Pacheco. I, I, I saw some after this yesterday afternoon. It's like someone wrote about him, and I agree. It's like every run he makes, it's like the it's going to be the last time he ever carries the football. That cat, Isaiah Pacheco, watching that cat just made me angry. Like really, I would be like, "Look at that guy! Look at him running!" And then we got Z twenty eight trying to be the dump truck running in slow motion. I, uh, I I hope he doesn't carry it much in the Super Bowl because I'm really gonna like. There's a lot of Super Bowls in the last ten or twelve years I don't even watch, and so I'm actually gonna better watch this one because I'll, I'll be able to stomach what's being said. And uh, he, he's going to be the only downside of watching the Super Bowl, watching Isaiah Pacheco run, like, you know, unbelievable. Just, oh, seventh-round pick running. Oh. All right, we'll be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros are you fluent in footlish not to worry we're here to help with the footlish dictionary z28 z28 now a running back with great speed and start and go ability like a chevy camaro that plays for the new orleans saints also known as alvin camara now back to the man with his very own language kevin foot and footnotes
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. I want to remind you to game hotline 706-0111. If you would like to get in this segment and the next one would be the best times if you would ha- talk about the Saints draft or college ho- recruiting signing day or whatever you would like, These, this one and the next one would be the best time to get in. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
4: Hey, Kevin. How you doing this morning?
1: Oh, pretty good. How are you?
4: right I want to talk Dayton Sports a little bit real quickly. Uh, building on the topic y'all were discussing about the quarterback situation for 2023, I don't think Chandler Fields will transfer, regardless of how this spring turns out. And the reason is simple: he's scheduled to graduate in December of 2023. So when you only have uh, your last year and you can graduate, I think that's a factor that the people may forget outside of the athletic realm. I don't know if you knew that. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you can graduate uh, somewhere
1: thing, else
0: too. I mean,
4: yeah, been a company many to transfer and everything like that. that yeah. you, you may have to wait an extra semester. Yeah, you know, you could end up at Nichols, and you have to graduate in May of twenty-four. But uh, <clears throat> being here that long, I would think he'd want to get his degree from here since he put so much time into it. That's just my thought. That could be. Uh, as far as as far as Cajun basketball goes, I want to thank you for writing the article I read in the paper this morning where you encourage some of the skeptical fans to go check the, both teams out, actually. Uh, talking about the men, uh, you have a fair point that you can't guarantee who's going to win a game, especially in college basketball today, with the way the three ball goes. You could have a game like uh, last Saturday where Georgia State, Georgia Southern, rather, shut the lights out in the first half. Somebody shoots the lights out that wide way for a half, one and a half half, you're not going to win. Right. And Simultaneously, you could <laughs> be um, very cold and, you know, they play well, and your shots does not drop. So anybody can beat anybody any given day. And you see that throughout a college basketball today. Even Gonzaga lost the whole game this year. But I can tell you this. I participate on a basketball podcast with your baseball buddy there, Craig Maloso, uh for, for Cajun men. And we recorded yesterday, and one of the things we agreed on, we can promise you three things. They may not win, but they will play hard to the whistle from beginning to end, every player on the court. They will be well prepared for their opponent. Coaching staff has done a great job this year in scouting their opponents. And third, they will play with a team-first mentality. There's not a guy on the team who's going to put the, his stats ahead of the team goal. So you will see those three things, regardless of how it turns out, when you um, go out and watch the Cajuns. Now, it's a little different today than it was back. You know, when they were drawing those crowds you were talking about years ago. ESPN Plus was not like it is today. I know a lot of people who have who had season tickets who go occasionally. But they paid it ten bucks a month, and they follow the team just as closely as before um, on the ESPN Plus. So that's a factor, I think, in the mid-major world today. But again, thank you for writing the article, and I think you'll see, be entertained if you did go out. And that's all I had. Thank you.
1: Thank you. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello.
5: Good morning,
4: Kevin.
1: How are you, sir?
5: Man, Kevin, I'm so fired up, man! Now, now we're not going to have to fit through the whole. You know, man, you and me, that's one of our big things, uh, you know, the draft. Oh, I love it. I was kind of in a depression because we weren't going to have our weekly, bi-weekly draft discussions. But now, hey, we're right back in the mix, Kevin. I mean, let me tell you what, 29 and what, 41? Yeah. You you can get two real players right there, Kevin. So I'm going to go to work pretty soon, you know, after the combine and start gathering information so we can have our – Conversations, okay. That's okay, important. so, but, but, right. right off
1: the top of your head, I, I mean, the number one question—I don't know if you heard me earlier—is the number one thing is the Saints have to figure out: are we picking an edge rusher or not? Because there are uh, there are more edge rushers projected to go in right. like the top fifty than I can ever remember. Like, there's
0: just oh, yeah. a ton yeah, of it, them.
1: It,
5: no doubt, no doubt. I, I mean, that's definitely an area of need because you know we, Davenport is you know what. What, what, what this season was is nobody knows. So I think that's important experience. We have to move on. i mean, experiment. we got to move on. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, they, they got to figure out. And, okay, number two. Okay, we know damn it, I just am so, feel so confused about the quarterback position. I don't, don't want to, obviously, don't want to draft the quarterback because that means that Dalton is the starter and oh. we got to go through another year of that. But, and let's you know, I, I, I'm I'm up for Jimmy G, Derek Carr. I mean, somebody that's an upgrade. That you know, uh, I don't know if we got to break the bank. Uh, I mean, it, it's just that's a real big dilemma, Kevin. I, I, I don't know what in the world.
1: Look, I I don't think Derek Carr is a is is like oh, if you get Derek Carr, you're great. I mean, could could he have a oh, bad no. year? Of course, but. But I think I want Derek Carr when he plays more than Jimmy G. Jimmy G never plays. Oh, I agree. I agree. I mean, Derek Carr plays now.
5: There's no doubt. I mean, the guy's you know been very durable, and I don't, I'm like I'm like you. I don't think it's a oh slam dunk answer to our prayers, but definitely an upgrade over Andy Dalton.
1: Oh, no question.
5: And, you know, uh, of course I. You know, I'm not real thrilled that we don't have a new OC, but that's you know anyway. uh, Look, I'm telling y'all,
1: again, I I, I
5: I, I, I love an edge rusher. Love an edge rusher. And like uh, talking, uh, 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 your your new guy, is it Dawson? Yeah. Yes. He's saying, you know, you can can make, and I really would like to have a veteran running back, but, you know, then at two, you might think about a running back, which is, of course, another need. So, uh, you know, it gives you a lot of uh, possibilities. I just, I'm really, really worried about the, the uh, the quarterback position and I think the the, the trade was that was great I mean some people seem to think you know people did seem to think we were gonna get the, the number three or four or five pick for Sean Payton I mean that wasn't happening I mean in no on no planet in no universe were we getting somebody's top five pick no for Sean that Payton. that
1: uh, that that wasn't gonna happen I agree with you but. I- I I wouldn't go all the way to great. Great would have been if we didn't have to give him no. a third. But 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 yeah, I think oh, yeah, it was yeah. fine, yeah, just, and I'm ready to move on, and it was good. It's yeah, over. Right. It's fine. Exactly. I, I did listen, not Kevin, like giving up the third. But but but
5: yeah, I yeah. I wish you wouldn't give the third. And listen, win win for you because I mean your 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 household Broncos got a heck of a good coach, and I think he's gonna gonna it's gonna pay dividends for him. I really do. You know. So that's a win win for you. You don't have to. Hate him as much, you know. And, oh no, uh, no, I, I, no, gonna, I, I'm, I, I, I agree. Remember. I'm
1: happy. I told him. I said, look, I, he's, a, I think he's a, he's a great leader, and, he, yeah. But, 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 yeah. but, but I hope you don't like timeouts because that cat hates timeouts. <laughs> All right, Kevin. That I, cat I'll be, hated I'll be having timeouts. I'm
5: working my end to start, uh, seeing, you know, get out, get out. All right, yeah. Get ready. Get, get,
1: get, get ready, because I am, I'm ready already. Thank you. That'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow. Stay tuned.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome. Back to Footnotes or in two. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers. And the World Series champion, Houston Astros Simulcastle on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Game hotline again is 337-706-0111. 706-0111. We, they will, we'll be doing a lot more interviews in the second hour, but <clears throat> plan on talking to the Cajun Chicken as well as UL Women's Basketball Coach Gary Broadhead in this hour. But for this segment, perfect time to call if you want to um, talk about Casper to Quitter or early draft talk or National Signing Day. Uh, so far, the four people that the C- we kind of thought the Cajuns would sign or have already turned it in. And so if you want to talk about any of that or just, you know, the NFL quarterback carousel, whatever's on your mind, certainly feel free to call. Um, we will, um, you know, be talking more about the Super Bowl next week as we get closer. And, but, you know, that's certainly an option if you want to start Super Bowl talk early. But there's so much else going on. And, and again, we kind of talked about it with Koki in the last hour. You've got, I mean, uh, we're nine days away from the start of the college softball season and 16 days away from the start of the college baseball season around these parts. So, I mean, you know, certainly it's not too early to start talking about those um, issues as well. But again, for those of you, uh, I think it's a glorious Wednesday morning because the Casper to Quitter saga is over. We don't have to worry about, well, they do this, and, oh, we might do this, oh, he might. None of that. I just, after a while, all that uncertainty and guessing and speculation, it's just so nauseating, and I'm just glad it's over. Now, again, there are some people who they thought that they he the Saints were going to get a John Gruden deal. I, I never thought that. I, I'm glad, you know, like, even when we were thinking that he might go to Arizona, I, I never even dreamed they would get the, the third pick. I, I never thought that was possible. I was hoping maybe to get a second-round pick this year and their first-round pick the following year. And not that far from what they got other than getting rid of the third. So, look, getting rid of the third-round pick next year, I'm not happy about that. Um, I think that makes it from being a really good or a great trade, like Manny called it. But it's still, they can do what they need to do with this trade. And I'm going to worry about not having a third round pick um, next April on day two of the draft. That's what I'm going to worry about. I'm not going to worry about that right now. I'm more, you know, in terms of trying to feel the holes that this team has. Which in my opinion are not nearly as many as as most of you probably think. Um, they've you know, they've got a first round this year, they've got a second round uh this year, they've got a second round next year now, they've got a first round next year now. They can they can they'll have multiple opportunities to fill these holes. Now, that doesn't mean they're gonna do it right. Doesn't mean that, but the opportunities are there. They're not playing they won't be playing with one hand behind their back. And look, I say this all the time. I know some of you are all tied up on all this dead money and cap, and all. that's all a bunch of silliness. Don't get caught up in all that stuff. I just, I know you've already seen the headlines. The Saints have more, you know, they're in worse shape under the cap than anyone else. That that the Saints are going to be able to get rid of that cap easier this year, that cap issue easier this year than last year. I don't know that they're going to have to get rid of one player this year that many Saints fans that will hurt. Because, like, I think it's very possible they're going to get rid of Andrus Pete, but how many Saints fans even like Andrus Pete? I mean, it's like, Most of them, like, they're going to probably get rid of Davenport. They're going to probably get rid of Gus. Like, most Saints fans are going to celebrate as they walk out the door. Most Saints fans are going to celebrate. And I brought up Davenport last hour, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but I looked it up yesterday. Free agent rankings. They had Davenport at, like, 22 or 23, somewhere there. They had, like, really good players ranked behind Davenport. And this guy who was doing this was, like, high on Davenport. I'm like, that guy better not go somewhere else and play. And I can't blame the Saints. He had had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And I stuck with that guy year after. And he was just a complete bust this year. Like he was terrible. That guy bet but I mean in the in the outsider looking in, this guy was high on Davenport. Because I'm thinking, who in the world is gonna spend a bunch of money on this guy? He's done nothing. He's shown potential, but he's never gotten it done. Davenport was like the NFL football version of a 4A baseball player, what I call a 4A guy. Too good for AAA, can't, can't cut it in the major leagues. That's what he played like with the Saints, a 4A guy. I, I just – he better not. But I couldn't believe – like Juju Schmidt-Schuster, they had ranked him. I mean, Juju Schmidt-Schuster is not like a great player, but he's considered an above-average NFL receiver. This guy had Juju Smith Schuster like 10 or 12 spots below Davenport. They had Terrell Edmonds, a linebacker from the Bills below Davenport. That cat better not go somewhere and and, and start getting all these sacks. But no, I, I don't I think the Saints are gonna they're gonna be able to they're gonna cut players and, and restructure deals. And it's not gonna be now. The one player that might hurt is if they if they do what most of us are thinking and get rid of plastic man, Michael Thomas. But even then, most Saints fans are gonna say, oh, no, finally, get rid of him. Right? Like, the, the, I kind of I still kind of wish he would just play. Because that would be one less thing that that's one of the saints major needs they need a blockout receiver they need a possession receiver they need someone that's gonna when it's third down they can throw the ball too and every and just because someone's touching them they're not gonna drop the football. You think maybe it is it even possible that we could hire a hypnotist and try to convince Jarvis Landry? Jarvis, you actually like playing football. Is that possible? I'm not sure. There's someone can just say, Jarvis, you look at the little swing shawls. Um, You actually like playing football. You don't like. You actually like being on the field, not watching from your TV.
2: There's a lot of uh, assistant coach positions in the NFL. I mean, you, you they walk out on the field. It looks like a whole team. So there's there's there might be an opening. That guy never plays. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis
1: Landry. Never plays. Michael Thomas never plays. So I know, look, they need a blockout receiver. I don't know if they're going to pick that at 27 or 41, but maybe maybe there's somebody out there that the Saints can hypnotize that you actually like playing football, not watching from the sideline. Just sickening. But, no, the, look, I know it's February. Today's February, right? Yeah. Uh, that's true, signing day, first Wednesday. So, we still have all of February, all of March, and almost all of April before the NFL draft. But, folks, I'm ready already. Like, I love the NFL draft. And now the Saints have a first-round pick, and I know it's late, but I, I think I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't feel badly about that. And, again, we're not going to know till draft day because people are going to be putting out all these stupid reports just like all these stupid reports you heard about the head coach and almost all of them are wrong. Think about it. All the reports that you've heard, all this crazy talk, almost every one of them were wrong. Okay, so we're going to hear all that junk over the next almost three months. Uh, So we won't really know if the Saints want to value an edge rusher number one on their list. But if they do, I guess we'll just have to take it. I mean, it's just so defeating after Davenport and Peyton Turner. Now, a lot of that is not – it really has nothing to do with Davenport in my mind or maybe a little bit to do with it. It's what do they still think of Peyton Turner? Like, to me, that's even more important than – everybody's going to point to losing Davenport. But if they still think Peyton Turner's good – and they still have high hopes for him. That's another one that needs to be hypnotized. He don't like to play either, Peyton Turner. They need to get players that like to, that want to play. Um, but if they can hypnotize Peyton Turner and Granderson's pretty good, I still think Granderson is good. Now you need to have depth. I get that, but if they like Peyton Turner and they still like Granderson, which I think I would think they do, they might not feel the need to pick one. Unless they say like Cam's not gonna play forever. Now Cam likes to play. He don't need no hypnotist. Cam likes to play. But he is getting old, Cam. So they might feel like they need a So but 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 I would I really hope if they pick an edge rusher, I get I get it. And so fine. I'll I'll not like it, but I'll I'll understand it. But I really hope they don't have edge rusher number one on their list because now I can watch the edge rushers just go off the board and go off the board and go off the board, and and then what they really feel like they need is probably going to be there. That's what I like. The game of the draft, I think, could work out well for the Saints if they don't really value a a pass rusher.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of what's happened in those years where they were so successful, right, in 2017. It didn't feel like – I mean, they, they had needs, and they went out and got Lattimore. And, but, like, Camara wasn't a need at the time, wasn't a big need, and oh, we weren't expecting we weren't expecting that much from him right away, and he oh, becomes this. You were?
1: Oh, I was. <laughs> I, I wanted him, and when they drowned, I was, I was so pumped up, yes. Of course, I didn't envision him as a Mack truck. Like, I was like, you know, let's use
2: this guy for what he is. Well, it helped when you had a healthy – rejuvenated Mark Ingram at the time. Mark Ingram.
1: You know what better not happen? Mark Ingram better not put out one of these video seminars on how to run out of bounds. Like 10 years from now. Can you imagine that? How to look for the first down marker by Mark Ingram. It's unbelievable. I understand for the outsiders who don't watch the Saints play every week, like they just think the Saints are bad. If you think about all the things that have happened in the last two to three or four years, it's unbelievable what we've witnessed. This cat has been playing in the league for 12 years. He don't know how to run out of bounds. All right, we'll take a timeout, and I'll try to regroup
0: this is footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros king cake season is here and break rooms are being filled with those delicious sugar-coated pastries that is so sweet just don't be the guy or gal who gets the plastic baby and lies about it come on come on really Step up and do the right thing. Cheapskate and buy the next cake. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back. Footnotes on the game we have with us. A very, very special guest. The fabulous Cajun chicken. How are you, sir?
6: I am doing great. Thank you for uh, inviting me to be on today. Can you believe the price of eggs in this country right now? Look, people are talking to me about that. That's ridiculous. You know, it's. (laughs) It's not my fault, you know. I'm a rooster. I can't do anything
1: about it. All right. So for people who may not know, because like you know, my producer here, Dawson, he wasn't around when the fabulous Cajun Chicken was was doing all of his awesome antics at Blockham and then into the Cajun Dome. So for those who don't know, uh, you started um, making us laugh. What about 1981 or two? When when, when did all this start?
6: 1982. Is when everything got started. That's when I started uh, as the Bud Man, and then uh, two years later, the Cajun Chicken uh, evolved out of that.
1: And when did
6: and you so leave that us? That has been, you know, thirty-nine years ago was uh, when I got started with the chicken.
1: So, and when did you leave us? Uh,
6: Nineteen
1: ninety-nine. The la- okay. Is when
6: I quit doing full time.
1: Now, tell me this, are chicken years like dog years or are we are we fixing to find that out at the Cajun Dome on Saturday?
6: I'm hoping they're not like dog years cuz man that would be dragging big time. Now, you know, I had, when I saw it was senior night, I said, "Oh, great, they're honoring me because I am now a senior citizen." But um, we're going to go with the players, that's for them.
1: Absolutely. Again, for those who don't know, on Saturday, the Cajuns are going to be playing Marshall, scheduled for 7 o'clock, and the fabulous Cajun Chicken is making a return to the Cajun Dome. And those of us who remember him and everything he did for, you know, the fans in the athletic department for a couple decades there are, are, are really looking forward to it. So um, have you – have you kind of scripted everything out, or are you more just a fly by the seat of your pants kind of a of an entertainer?
7: Well, they,
6: I like to just wing it, so to say. Uh, excuse the pun, but uh, this game uh, they have a lot. It's a lot more scripted, but uh, the chicken doesn't follow a script very well. So <laughs> That's we're going to start saying. off uh, as something. And we're going to see what happens from there. And a lot of it will be dictated by how the game is going. If it's anything like the game Saturday night, oh, you know, all bets are off. We're going to have fun.
1: All right. And I saw you from afar at the game Saturday, and obviously it was a great comeback and a a very memorable victory. So let me ask you this. Do they – are there more – Have you been, a a, like, it seems like things were a little more informal 30 years ago than they are now, or or things are so much more structured in terms of game management and everything. So are there things that they're not going to allow you to do that you were allowed to do um, back in the 80s and 90s?
6: No, the skits that I have still available, and that was one of the big things, is one, when they asked if I'd uh, entertain doing this again, um, was trying to find out what skits I still had. And even if I had a workable costume, I had to go dig it out of storage. Uh, so a lot of the skits uh, that, that I did over the years, most of those are gone. Uh, but the stuff that I have uh, is going gonna, is gonna to be the entertaining stuff. We're not going to get in any trouble. I don't think so.
1: Well, also, you know, you're a fan I mean, I'm sure you were a oh, fan yeah. before you were a mascot, and so when you're doing it back the, in the years that you did it, were you a, are you able to like watch and follow the game, or you just have too much other stuff on your mind and you're planning your next move to where you ne- you were never able to really follow the game?
6: Most of the time, I follow the game, but there are times having to get into the various outfits to go on to the chicken. Yeah, you, you're in the back, and so you don't see what's going on. But most of the time, I'm trying to follow the game. And if there's a timeout that I was supposed to do a skit, and it's people are really into it, no, I'm gonna get out there with the red and white towels or the drum or something and keep keep the noise going. Uh, so a lot of times, that's how I I played it. Was it was uh, like I said, I winged it.
1: You know, one of the things you said when uh, you made an appearance at the press conference last week that, you know, for someone like me who, uh, when you started, that was probably about 130 to 40 pounds ago for me, um, that you actually weigh less now than when you started. That's impressive. Or when you finished, at least.
6: When I I finished uh, finished up, I'm actually uh, less weight now than I was then. Uh, And that uh, I tell folks that has a lot to do with COVID because I had to start learning to eat my own cooking, and so I went on a crash diet because I just couldn't eat that stuff.
1: Um, I'm you know it makes it even more fun that the team is doing very well, and obviously when you first started. Uh, the, t- it was, the team was in you know, one of the uh, better stretches in the history of the program at that point. Did you have favorite players that you liked following back then? Or, again, were you just kind of too preoccupied with doing your thing?
6: Oh, no. That, there's a lot of uh, players uh, that, heck, I, when I see him, we still talk. Uh, one of my favorites was Marcus Stokes. He was the biggest teddy bear. Uh, man, the guy was just great. Uh, he was a lot of fun to talk to and be around. Uh, you know, Eric Mouton, Ted Lyles, uh, I could go on. Uh, Kevin Brooks, uh, just so many of them were just great people. Not only were they good, good players, great players, but so, they were just very, very good people.
1: Now, Coach Pascal, when you first started, he always looked really serious. Now, now I see him on Facebook, and he's calm and cool and – uh, what, 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 what? what, what would, did you ever get it in? Like, did he like all those all those shenanigans, or he seemed so focused all the time? Or what was your impressions with Coach Pascal in those early years?
6: In the early years, when I was just getting started, I think he was at the point of, "What the heck is this guy, and what is he doing, and why is he on my basketball court?" Yeah. And it as it as a chicken began to develop. Uh, and he got a little more uh, lenient, and uh, when I tried to make sure I didn't interfere with anything he had going on.
1: Now, one of the things that I think fans love the most is when you would irritate the other team. Um, I obviously you probably heard some words that you can't say in this interview on the radio, but <laughs> but like who was the exactly. most irritate? Who was the most irritated or angry? Coach, that from what you did that you can remember over the years?
6: Oh, it I did a basketball game. It wasn't a, a UL basketball game, but I was doing a basketball game. Uh, the team was losing. I came out in the Grim Reaper. I walked up behind the team. One of the players turned around, saw me in the Grim Reaper outfit. He cleared the bench and was about 17 rows up in the stands <laughs> before he turned around. And... The coach just literally came unglued, screaming and cursing at me. The officials grabbed me and pulled me off the court. And said, "That's it, you're finished. No more tonight." And and I found out about two days later that, that that poor young man believed in voodoo. And when I he turned around and looked straight into the grim reaper or the grim chicken, chicken. Uh, yeah, he was a little startled.
1: <laughs> that is that is tremendous. So. No, I'm I'm sure. Like uh, I wrote an article last week. Uh, you're gonna, and like you said, you're gonna have more fun than any of us. But I can't even imagine how much you're looking forward to what Saturday night's gonna be like.
6: I am I am so excited. I am nervous. I am everything in between. Uh, I am looking so far at the people that have reached out to me, uh, the fans, friends, family. It, it's just the encouragement is phenomenal. And I did not realize how big the chicken was uh, in all of this. It's just, I was having fun entertaining and I did not realize the impact it had on so many people.
1: Well, hopefully the cages can get a win tomorrow night and you can give them another win on, on Saturday and this team can stay in first place and, and it can just be one of the most memorable nights in the history of the Cajun Dome. We appreciate your time very much and certainly look forward oh, to seeing you on Saturday.
6: Yeah, it, people need to come out. Because it's not just to see the chicken, but this is a very good basketball team. And they've got special ticket prices for Saturday night. Um, we're playing. We're in first place. or tied for first place. This is going to be a huge, huge game. And we need to have some noise. We need to have some people in those stands. And come out and honor these senior players that have been here for all these years and have given us some great basketball.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate, again, your time. Look forward to Saturday. Thank you very much. Kevin, thank you, sir. Look thank forward you. to seeing you. Yes, sir.
0: This is footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. We now have with us UL women's basketball coach Gary Broadhead. Hello, sir. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing, Kev? Now you're old like me. Uh, I'm sure you remember the fabulous Cajun chicken.
8: Oh, do I remember, man? Oh, yeah. Everybody remembers the Cajun chicken if you had anything to do with men's basketball back then. So, no doubt.
1: I don't know if you had a chance to hear an interview, but I was I was suggesting to uh, the chicken we just interviewed him that Coach Pascoe I always thought was uh, very serious back then. And I and, uh, I said, I, I bet you when you first started, I, I wouldn't think Coach Pascoe thought too much of this. He, and he said, yeah, he said he was like, what in the world is this chicken doing on my court right now? Oh, there's
8: no doubt. It was fun, though, man. I loved it when he put the glasses on and the – uh, he acted like he was blind as a referee and yeah. stuff like that. That was all. Man, that was all good stuff. Michael Jackson stuff. I remember it all. It was great. Yes,
1: g- g- great, great fun. Well, Coach, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I, I'm so impressed. I, I can remember. I man, I don't remember when it was. Four or five weeks ago, you were scheduled to go on a trip, and you know, hearing about how good Southern Miss was and seeing all the all the wins they've been getting, and Texas State was on fire at that point, point. and I'm like man, I hope they don't get swept. They got to win at least one. And you and you ended up going one and one, but really you should have swept them. You should have swept those two games. And then I th- kind of had a similar feeling last – man, Georgia Southern could score a lot of points. They might not be able to shut them down like they do Troy all the time. And, you know, I just – and, app. you know, y'all played so poorly there at times in the past. I just didn't have a great feeling about that game. And, and, and y'all, y'all win both. So now I'm not second guessing you anymore. So un- unbelievable weekend.
8: Well, I mean, let's keep it like that. You keep saying what you got to say and I, I keep doing what I got to do. We'll be
0: all right, man.
8: Cause yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm with you for the last few years. Nobody's nobody's believing us, but you know, when you say get on the road and split, I said, okay, that's, that's what we got to do. It's what we do, you know, but uh, yeah, it's it was great to, uh, to get two wins on the road, especially conference wins, you know, when you get that, I mean, you got to take it and go and, know we've been playing well you know we've been playing well for quite a while you know still kind of you know still got a few little hurts and injuries and all that but uh you know we fought through it you know that's what's surprising me is other people are stepping up you know and uh a friend of mine that uh coach with rick patino told me that he said you know when he lost uh i mean this was years back when he lost one of his best players you know he went to the locker room next guy up let's go you you're going to be wanted by the nba anyway next year so get in there you know and let's play and I started thinking about that. Maybe we, we kind of messed that up as coaches. You know, we kind of uh, put our heads down and we kind of like, oh, woe is me. This girl's hurt again. But you, you just got to keep playing, you know. And I think that's what's happening. We have some young players that are talented. They just don't have the experience and to get an opportunity. You know, we always say that, be ready for the opportunity. And so they have, you know. And hopefully we can continue to shoot it. You know, we'll, we'll be a little short-handed this game. Uh, and, and hopefully uh, against Troy we we'll get everybody back.
1: So, does that mean Lene's not playing again? Yeah, it looks like uh, that ankle injury is kind
8: of uh, a little bit more than what we thought. So, I mean, she's cl- – no, I don't think she'll play. You know, I really don't. Uh, you know, she'll be out. Uh, and then we have uh, Alicia Blanton right now. She's got a little neck injury and stuff. I think she'll be able to play. But, uh, yeah, we, we're going to miss Lene again. But I, I'm thinking she'll be back for Saturday.
1: So – um what about like your your history of of defending Georgia Southern that you talked about wasn't as good as maybe you like going in? So what what about this matchup in, in hindsight? Why were you all able to shut them down even more than you shut Troy down on the road?
8: You know, uh, Coach Sanders. You know, she's in her first year, and so we were kind of telling about what happened in the years past that we, you know, our defensive transition uh, was struggling and all that. So, man, in practice, I mean, she she harped on the fact that – I mean, we she wasn't even really concerned about the half-court uh, defense. She was concerned more about can we find people, can we match up, can we do – man, I tell you what, they did a great job. And, you know, in the 11 years I've been here, we've been preaching about we got to talk more on defense because it makes us better. And we don't normally I, – I don't teach it good, I guess, and she does a better job. But that was – in my 11 years, that was the best I've seen a, 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 a team, a UL women's basketball team – communicate on the floor, on the defensive side. I mean, it was just, I mean, the first, especially the first half. I mean, it was just like, wow, man, if we could do this this consistently. Our defense would even be better, you know? So, you know, it was kind of good to see. And uh, she has a lot of credit. You got to give her a lot of credit. You know, Deacon was in charge of defense last year. A lot of these kids were here last year. Maybe they didn't play as much, but they understood the system. And they, you know, they're getting used of it and, and, and feeling more confident, confident in it. And that's going to be the big deal, you know? And can we make shots? And you know, it's like you say. You know, free free throws and putbacks. You know, that's going to be important. You know,
1: now you're playing in Monroe. They have like a giant girl in the middle blocks all these shots. So, is that going to make it even more of a perimeter attack or focus for you offensively? Or how do you see that playing out?
8: Yeah, I do. I think both of their inside. You know, the uh, you know the big kid inside uh, Meriwether is pretty good. You know, she's she's. Uh, Almost averaging, well, she is averaging a double double, you know, and she's got 60 blocks on the season. So, yeah, she's kind of guarding the rim, you know, and I think she does a good job with it. And then, you know, you got the manual kid from Northwest High School that's uh, playing really well on the inside, that their four player. So, hey, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult uh, to try to do anything uh, in, in, inside, you know, and then stopping the inside game because that's what they're relying on too. You know, they're they're not shooting it very well from out but they do a good job of getting the ball inside to the big kid and, and kind of, you know, getting some scores there. But, yeah, I mean, the big kids kind of changed their defense. It's made it a lot better, there's no doubt.
1: Now, does this mean that your bigger girls might get more playing time than normal? You know, that's
8: what we think, and, you know, that's what we think, and we think we can match up a little bit with the bigger kids. Uh, you know, Kyron's been doing a great job for us. We just kind of, you know, this week we're trying to get these, the bigger kids ready and just match them up because they're a lot alike, you know. You know, they 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 play similar to the six five kid that they have. Uh, so hopefully we can, you know, kind of keep her off the boards. And usually we do a pretty good job of it. You know, when it's just that one kid, but then you got Manuel, you got Ford, you got some other kids that are crashing the boards. And they always play hard. I tell you, their last three games on on film, they you know they won the last one, but the last three they should have won. You know, so they're playing a lot better. You can see that they're a little bit more confident. They play hard. Their fifty fifty balls are theirs, and we got to you know. We got to make sure that we come, you know, we show up and play.
1: Coach Jalen James is—I is, can already tell—is going to be a player that is going to um, kind of be almost like a mental project. Like, got to get this girl going, and we saw some fly a flash or two of it uh, in North Carolina. What's is it, could it happen this year, or is that something that it you don't think the the switch is going to flip for her until next season?
8: You know, I don't know yet. You know, that to me, that, uh, man, we really are giving her some opportunities to play and to get in there and play. And, you know, it's just a little bit of the inexperience, I guess we would call it. You know, she – I mean, she does such some good things. Like when she goes to the rim, man, you can almost count on it. It's going to be a score. She used the backboard so good. She does a lot of fundamental things you wouldn't think she would do. But then, you know, at, at the same time, the inexperience kind of hurts her. And she's an emotional kid, you know, needs to grow up a little bit. You know, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm banking on that. We get into conference tournament that she'll be ready to go and she'll be a different kid because she can shoot it, man. She just hadn't shown it yet. No, I mean, occasion. You know, we we haven't seen it uh, in the games yet. You know, she played a little bit better last game. You know, but you know, from game to game, you just kind of. And you know, I was telling her, you know, it starts in practice. You know, she's got to get more consistent in practice, and then you will get better. But I think she's starting to kind of get it. You know, and hopefully we can. You know, it's it's up to us to, to try to get it and turn that switch on, you
1: know. Well, like I try to tell my wife and others sometimes, not everyone coaches as calm and rational when it comes to sports as I am. So you have to understand that when you're dealing with this crowd. <laughs>
4: I get it. I get it.
1: <laughs> All right, so another huge weekend. You've steadily climbed. Um, how worried are you? Obviously Troy's in first place and you're one game out, they play Saturday, but that game won't matter as much if you don't beat ULM tomorrow. So, how worried are you about your girls maintaining focus that they need to beat M- Monroe tomorrow?
8: Oh, I am. You know, I mean, for the for for the eleven years we've been here, you know, we've always been a little bit better than ULM. And, man, it's been a fight to try to, you know, play at our level and not play down or. You know, and thinking that you know you can take this team lightly, I, I'm I'm extremely worried. And I get you know it's like sleeping nice this week is like man, Troy is not going to make that much of a difference if we don't take care of ULM. You know, and um, you know I was really you know I was really pleased last week and not to have Lene on Saturday and play as well as we did. You know, Tamara played really well and some other people stepped up. So can we do that again? You know, can we do that against ULM and the way they play? And, you know. And the way that, you know, I mean, it's a competitive game, even though it's, you know, I don't know if you call it a rivalry, but it kind of is. You know, I coached with Brooks, and, you know, she needs to do some winning too. So, you know, it's a big game for them, you know, and, and, you know, I just hope we don't take it lightly.
1: I agree. Coach, I appreciate your time as always. Looking forward to seeing you all play tomorrow night, and good luck. All right. Appreciate you, Cam. Go Cajuns
0: this is footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros you know the routine eat drink sleep and sports all day every day You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. And we do have one more segment here if you would like to get in. Uh, again, the game hotline is 706-0-1-1-1, 706-0111, if you haven't heard. Looks like the parameters of Casper's deal with the Broncos is five years, 85 million. So a lot of us were wondering uh, how much money did he actually get. I, I did not think he would go to Houston, even if he was okay with the owner, because I didn't think they'd pay him. Uh, we didn't think, you know, we all thought it, San Diego was the perfect place. I mean, San Diego, the Chargers were the perfect place, but they aren't because they weren't going to pay him. Apparently, the Broncos are going to pay him five years, eighty-five million. That's a lot. It's not twenty-five a year, but it's a lot. Um, you know, I, I said this was a glorious day, and I, I, I think it is, but I am. The news that we've gotten today has not been good for the Saints, in my opinion. I know that I'm sure there's a lot of Saints fans out there who were excited to hear that Tom Brady retired. I don't think that's good for the Saints right now. Uh, Then we get news during the show that Brock Purdy's not just out six months. They're saying he's out for the entire 2023 season. Not good for the Saints. And what I mean by that is, Tom Brady theoretically was going to go somewhere, the Jets or the Raiders or the Cheaters or somewhere. So that was going to be one team that wouldn't be going after Derek Carr or whoever the Saints. Now, a lot of people were speculating that Trey Lance could get traded to the Titans. Some people people wanted the Saints to go after Trey Lance. But – If you're the cheaters now, and I don't think they would have considered Tom Brady. I could be wrong about I don't really think he fits there at all. But let's just say he did. They could have done Tom Brady. They could have gone with Brock Purdy. Well, now those two options are gone. So I I can't believe Trey Lance is going anywhere. And you got to have a backup. Could it be that Jimmy G actually ends up staying there again after we all thought he was going last year? So if you're the cheaters, can you really get rid of Jimmy G? Like Trey Lance never plays. Jimmy G never plays. you gotta you gotta have you got a better chance of having somebody, two guys that never play as opposed to one guy that never plays. Like that could be two to three spots that would have been filled if they all played that so that increases the competition for the
2: few veteran quarterbacks that are left this is bad it's not it's not ideal i don't know if it's as doomsday as you're making it sound just because i don't know how many teams want the guys that the saints are going to try to get i just don't know how big the market is for Derek Carr and i guess to your point it's bigger now than it it's was at least yesterday three teams it's at least i mean everybody in the saints division needs a quarterback yeah I just wonder how many of them are willing to The Jets would take him. The Jets certainly would take him. That's that that the Jets become like the the teams that have pretty good rosters become the interesting ones. Because I don't I don't worry as much about Carolina and even not even Tampa as much. If Aaron Rodgers goes to the
1: Raiders, um the Jets are gonna offer a lot to get Derek Hall. And that, like, you could go to the Super Bowl with that rod. I mean, the New York Jets are closer, in my opinion, to what the Yucks were in 17, or not 17, uh, whatever year. The year before Brady got there, that was a good team. The national media didn't realize it because the national media doesn't pay attention to the NFC. But anybody was listening to me, I told y'all over and over and over again how good that Yucks team. They just gave games away, and the NFL uh, cheated them with the schedule that they gave them. But they were ready, and the Jets are the closest team to that team. Uh, I think this is bad, bad news for the Saints. That doesn't mean they can't get Carr if that's who they want. We're speculating that. We don't know what the Saints are thinking, but I don't know. I'm not happy about this news that came out today at all, Either either one. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
7: On in there,
1: foot. Good morning, sir. I got a question for you, foot. I want you to honestly answer
7: it, all right? I know you are honest. Have you been able, have you enjoyed the Astros World Series win yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had
1: a chance. Oh, oh yeah. Yet? Oh, I uh, definitely. I, 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 I have. I mean, especially, you know. You're stuck, you know. There's so many people now who were, you know, caught in the MLB's propaganda of scapegoating the Astros. And now, like, I even read a story the other day where people are talking, like, you know, how, enough of this in this. And, you know, and just personally, you know, when Riley and I just sit down I and mean, we won the world, Series. I mean, believe me, I enjoy it. Yes.
7: enjoy this hammock season because. It sounds like you keep stressing about this thing and all this kind of stuff, you know. And you don't enjoy your hammock season now. You didn't start stressing about if the Saints are going to drive a quarterback in the first round with that first round pick. Well,
1: right we—I mean, some people are talking Hen and Hooker. I—I I, don't—I don't really think it's going to happen. And there's going to be a time between now and late April that we'll, we'll probably have throw a few fits about that because I don't want. I, but again, I did say. I'm at least willing to discuss it. Until this year, I'm, I was not even willing to discuss it. I don't want it to happen because that means Crawfish is the starting quarterback if they draft a rookie, and I'm done. I don't. I don't want any more Crawfish quarterback me. But, um, but no, I, um, I am. Um, I'm not obsessed on that yet. I'm not as worried yeah. about that yet. Now,
7: how many? How many days left until baseball uh, pitchers and catches? It's
1: oh, the- pitchers and catchers only a few weeks. I think we're like it. I think 58 or 59 days till baseball starts. I think that's the numbers right there in the upper 50s. Right. I'm not a nah. spring training guy, so I, I don't I, I'm worried about the season open.
7: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, my buddy Paul already saying the Yankees are taking the ship this, this year. Look, I'm, what I'm still waiting for is for them to take off. You Remember how he called? He said they're going to take off. They're going to take off. I, I, I'm still waiting for that. You well, know, I,
1: you know, they, I, I think Paul yeah. needs to focus on the Lakers' victory over the Knicks at Madison Square Garden last night, is what he needs to focus on. Oh, Lord. I,
7: already told
1: I, him he, Paul thought I didn't notice that, but he was wrong. I fooled him. I sure as a fooled him. I, I did notice that great victory for the Lakers at Madison Square yeah. Garden last night. Yeah, the Golden
7: Girls. That's what I call the Lakers. I don't like the Lakers. <laughs> but anyway, that's a different subject for a different name yeah man it's gonna be the same thing you gotta I mean I think the Astros still got better and the Yankees didn't didn't get anybody it's gonna be the same story
1: well I hope, I hope I hope I hope I hope you're right I hope you're right thanks for the call look i I, I try to explain this to my daughter Riley all the time because she like she's like well why are you so emotional about the Saints because the Astros don't need me right now as much as the Saints do um back in 11 10 11 and 12 and 13 the saints didn't the saints were rolling they didn't need me then as and I was more emotional about the astros then there's no reason to be emotional about the astros right now they're they're cruising appreciate all the phone calls and the chicken coming on and Gary and Koki y'all have a nice day